Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Picata. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on Here to There, where we explore how we move from here, our present reality, to there, the future that God has for us. So over the years, I've met people leading in small groups ministries with various types of employment arrangements in their churches. Some are full-time, um, some are part-time paid staff, um, but many are also full-time or part-time unpaid volunteers, especially in smaller churches or new church plants. Many seem to have the exact same role as a small group ministry point leader, and they might even have the title as pastor or director or something similar to that. Um, and these folks are sometimes bivocational and they work in marketplace jobs that pays the bills. So, you know, actually my dad did this for a couple of decades. He had a successful full-time practice as a veterinarian. Um, and then after he completed his MDiv through night school, he became an ordained pastor. And I remember telling him why, why you'd want to do this on top of having a, a full-time plus job. And he just really loved doing the work of pastoring. And so he was a veterinarian by day, and then he worked as a volunteer unpaid pastor during evenings and weekends, often performing the same functions as the associate pastor on staff. And so we know that Apostle Paul was also bivocational at times and worked as a tradesman providing for his own needs and the needs of his team. So I was thinking, you know, given the constraints on ministry budgets, especially in this pandemic year, I know that that's kind of a conversation going on in our church right now, that it's helpful to consider other staffing options for our ministries. And could someone in your church have the calling and capacity and um, and the desire to become an unpaid bivocational small groups minister? Perhaps. So my guest today, um, Peter Clow, is a bivocational groups pastor, and he's familiar with the benefits and challenges of having his feet in two vocations. I was going to say foot, but there's two vocations, so you'd have to have two feet, um, and managing the tensions of both a minister role and a full-time secular job. So thank you, Peter, so much for joining us on Here to There. Well, thank you, Carolyn. I'm glad to be here. And so Peter is uh, lives in New Hampshire with his wife and his three kids. We were saying earlier that this may be the furthest point in the U.S. that I've interviewed somebody since I'm in SoCal and he's out in New Hampshire, which I understand. Is there snow yet? I'm guessing yes. Um, actually, on Halloween, it snowed just a little bit, but enough to, to be cold and cover the ground, so... And it's so pretty when that happens, right? The first snowfall. My daughter in Boston says it's really pretty day one, and then it's not great for five more months. Yes, it was pretty, but it was also, this is way too early. I want fall to continue on. So I actually got a great picture of one side of the street was the fall colors of New England, and the other side of the street was covered with snow. Oh, it's so nice. I know. Those pictures are so pretty. Um we have the un- unexciting weather here of 80 degrees all the time. Well, since 2014, Peter served as a discipleship pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church, overseeing the small groups ministry, and he also serves on the senior leadership pastoral team, assisting in teaching and preaching, as well as the growth and vision of his church. Um, Peter is an Air Force veteran who works full-time for BAE Systems, which is a leading defense and aerospace company, as a manufacturing supervisor. And Peter, you were saying you've lived all over the world um, with kind of the different jobs you've had. Uh, it was mostly when I was in the military. Um, we would do deployments from the Middle East to um, Guam to Hawaii. It was usually short trips, but it was, uh, it was definitely a taste of 
around the world. Japan, that was pretty cool. Um, so a taste of the world. Yeah, which does give you a different perspective. Um, so since 2018, Peter's been involved with our small group network, and that's when we first met, I think, just in passing, and is currently our um, New Hampshire state leader. And you might also recognize his name from small group network blogs because he's part of the blogging team. So thank you for doing that as well. Um, so let's start the conversation by defining what a bivocational pastor is. And you and I both did research on this. So And we came up with two different conclusions, which, you know, the wonderful world of the internet. Um, but traditionally, a bivocational pastor used to be someone who served the church in a part-time formal role without financial compensation. Um, usually, it was because the church was so small or so new that it couldn't afford to pay the pastor or the pastor didn't need the money, which was a little bit of my father's uh, case. Um, he just declined it. But in 2018, though, I saw an article from Lifeway Leadership noting an emerging trend, and they called it that, that there's a growth in bivocational pastors um, because they wanted to do that, that they intentionally chose to stay in the marketplace and saw that their God's calling was in both spheres. Um, and so they saw their secular jobs as part of their calling. And so they wanted to, to make sure that they could keep that going even while ministering in the church. So Peter, for you, tell us a bit about your story. Like which of the two versions of bivocational pastor were you? Well, as I mentioned, when we first discussed this, I, I never considered myself bivocational or bivocational pastor. Um, I kind of always grew out of a desire and a love to just want to serve God. And so I just ended up, and we can get into the story when you want to, but uh, I just ended up to the place of where I was doing both things. And uh, mm -hmm. that's where I felt God was calling me. And so when, when I did my research about vocation, it seemed to always point <laughs> towards, you know, getting paid in both spheres, you know, uh, vocation, secular and vocation ministry. I think more people would do it if they got paid in both. Yeah. I kind of think that it's it's it, that's less probably less of a case. But for you though, let's be clear, you are not paid for your no. um work for the church. How many hours do you spend um on your church ministry? It obviously it all depends on what's going on. It could be from um I think a large portion um is obviously caring for the for the small groups and the small group mm -hmm. leaders. Um, it could be, you know, I don't know, three, four hours a week to uh, more than that, depending on what's going on with people's lives and in the group. And a large portion of my time is also if I'm preparing for sermons, if I have to fill the pulpit mm -hmm. or um, studies that I do. So, I mean, it could, it, could, it could go from 10 hours a week to, you know, two hours a week, depending on what's going on. But um, typically it's, it's something every, every night that I could fill my week with if I wanted. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Ministry kind of has a, has a way of expanding in, yes. in that way. Um, so tell us though, I do want to hear a bit about your story. So, um, like a lot of lay leaders, you were volunteering in the church, probably as a small group leader and doing other things. So where did the shift happen where you actually took on a staff title and a staff role? So I'll go back a little bit. Uh, I won't make it too long mm -hmm. of a story, but um, I, I came I came to faith in Jesus Christ at a very young age. I grew up in the church, and and I made a decision for myself. Um, I would say when I was probably eight years old to trust Christ. Um, but I didn't really start growing until I went in the military. And so when I went in the military, it was really where the rubber met the road, and uh, I made a decision. I wanted to know why I believe what I believe because I couldn't really defend mm -hmm. it good. And so I really started seeking God in the military. 
I, the Bible was truly a mirror that showed me who I was, mm-hmm. things I was struggling with in my life. And it was really at that time in, in that, in that journey that I kind of just, you know, gave it all to God. And I said, Hey, whatever you want me to do, you know, I'll do it. And I, I kind of wrote out a one page manifesto of my surrender to God, wow. whatever you want me to do. And so at that point I started serving wherever I could at that time. And at that time mm-hmm. it was more music. You know, I love music. I love oh. singing. I love leading music. And so um, I started doing that in the church I was at. Once I, in 2000, when I got out of the military, I came back to Emmanuel, which is a church I grew up at. And uh, mm-hmm. I really had the same heart. I just wanted to do whatever I could um, to serve God. And, and so from, um, you know, whatever doors were open from the nursing home ministry to the young adult group to you know, preaching at the local jail to, you know, um, I started an addiction recovery program at a church, whatever I could do, I wanted to get involved. And, and so I did that until, um, but really I, I did that until 2014 when I accepted the role of discipleship pastor, which was over our small groups. And that's a story in itself because we, we transitioned from a traditional model of one Sunday school that, a guy taught for like 40 years <laughs> to, you know, mixed groups. And so uh, mm-hmm. that was a transition in itself. And so, um, but in 2009 was when I officially became part of the senior leadership team, if you will. Mm-hmm. My church was kind of restructuring. And instead of just having a kind of a one pastor led type church, uh, our pastor who came on, um, I believe in 2004, I want to say, um, wanted a plurality of elders and wanted a leadership staff. And so Mm -hmm. at that time was when I kind of took that role, but it was a journey. So as I, as I took that journey of just kind of seeking God and serving where he wanted me to, um, I also, when I came back from the military, took the job at BAE systems and there's a lot of parallels from my growth and journey at BAE systems Mm -hmm. to my growth and journey in ministry. And they all, they both kind of complemented each other like, what are some of the parallels? That's interesting. Well, a lot of the, um, a lot of the experience that I got from ministry, which was dealing with people, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was you know compassion and just the way I handled certain matters because I had to when I was doing you know specific ministries, I was able to use that that experience and that knowledge and and kind of the mentoring that I got from others within the church, and I was able to use that uh, when I was mm-hmm. started to deal with people. And started to uh, have more leadership roles within the company, um, so that was definitely a blessing. And also the the training, especially when I went into management, uh, BA system, mm-hmm. uh, the training that I received from my job also helped in strategic and and leadership um, mm-hmm. in the church. So they kind of fed each other, and it seemed like as I grew in the leadership of the church, I grew in my position at BA Systems. And so it kind of always followed each other. Which is so beautiful. I love that parallel because, you know, in your story, you're basically submitting to God, I'll do whatever. Um, And then to have both things kind of parallel makes it easier and easier and also just affirms the call on your life to do both. Yeah. Um, because they do track together. And people really are people. Whether you're managing people in the marketplace, you're managing them, um, you know, at church, you're going to have 
difficult people, joyful people. You can have the whole assortment of hurting people. It's, it's a lot of it is similar. Um, so it's great that you can bring that compassion to bear in the workplace in the same way and then bring the leadership strategic piece to bear in the um, church piece. So you kind of start talking about some of the advantages of um, having your foot in both spaces. What are some other benefits you've experienced by being bivocational? Now that we've given you this title, you can just kind of put <laughs> yeah. that on. <laughs> well, I think, I think uh, one of the greatest ones, which I'm sure most people would agree, is it just gives me evangelistic opportunities. So um, mm. I'm able to interact with unbelievers all day, every day, you know. Um, yeah. It gives me kind of these relevant and, you know, fresh interactions with people so that when it comes to ministering, you know, whether it's in a small group capacity and encouraging small group leaders and groups to, you know, make sure outreach and evangelism is part of their daily lives, you know, I can I can go to the experiences that I've had and the opportunities that God has given me at my workplace uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a definitely... Um, a blessing that, that keeps me relevant and in touch with society. Um, I would say also it allows me to be relevant to the people that I'm ministering to at my church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can, I can um, uh, have compassion with the leaders who have to, who work a you know, 40, 50 hour week and then right. have to also go to their groups and, and kind of prepare and, and, and have the, the time available to do their ministry as well. So I think it, it allows me to be a little more relevant to them and relatable, if you will. Um, yeah, for sure. So I, I think those are kind of three: the 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 parallel in the in the training and experience mm-hmm. I'm getting, the uh, interactions with the lost, and also um, the uh, being relatable to the Christians that I deal. Yeah, and I think. You, you also have some preaching responsibilities. So I would imagine that, you know, when you look out at the congregation, like you know the struggles because you're not in a holy staff huddle where you're primarily just interacting with other Christians. You actually know the challenges that are out there. And I think that's really helpful because it's part of the relevance that you're talking about. I think it, it gives credibility to your witness on both sides, right? And then do you ever find yourself like in your um, secular job that once some of those guys know that you're also a pastor, that does that give you a higher level of accountability? Does that get, how does that impact when they find that piece out about you? Um, That's a good question. I I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, blurt it out there. Hey, by the way, I'm a pastor, but um, what it, <laughs> we're going to get your shirt. That yeah. says my vocational pastor. And then you'll, people will ask. <laughs> well, I do have one that says discipleship pastor, but I feel weird wearing it. So, but, <laughs> yes. um, so it does come up though in conversations because there'll be times, there'll be times where I've been able to minister to my employees. And, I, and obviously there's a fine line being their boss and all mm-hmm. that, but um, I'm able to minister them. And, and when they, when they find out that I'm a pastor or that, you know, I'm ordained pastor or that, um, you know, I'm, I'm heavily involved in my church. It kind of, with some people, it will open up that opportunity. And there's mm-hmm. several times where, you know, I've, I've had um, ministerial interactions, if you will, in my office with people mm-hmm. that come in telling me about a certain situation or something they're struggling mm-hmm. with because it has to do with their work and all that. And I'm able right. to, uh, I'm able to witness to them and to tell them about my hope in Christ. And that's been several where um, I've been able to lead them to our church or our, our church website. We have all our sermons on and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, 
it's definitely been a blessing there. And another thing with the, with the relevance is when, when COVID happened, um, mm -hmm. I was able to see kind of firsthand with the people that I work with and that are in the, in the factory that I work with their, their real anxiety and concern mm -hmm. over right, COVID. Right. And so, you know, while you have other, other, other Christians fighting about whether they should wear a mask or not because <laughs> of their own preference, mm -hmm. you got people that are generally concerned and anxious and fearful yeah. that need to be ministered to. Exactly. No, that's true. Do you find on the flip side, like now, um, when you're in leadership meetings and doing um, that work in your church, do you feel like there's some more freedom because you're not being paid? I, yes. I, I just, yes. I mean, in all honesty, because I remember uh, when I first started out in small community, I was working part-time and I was being paid virtually very little. Um, and I remember being like, okay, I can just say this because what are they going to do? Fire me? Like this, it, it gave me more freedom to, to speak, speak up when I felt like it needed to happen. Yes. I, I, I would say not necessarily. I still felt like, I still feel like I can speak up whether I was paid or not, but I do feel, um, almost at times it allows me more credibility in the sense of I'm not, a, mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting paid to do this. You know, I'm doing this because I love Jesus and I, I want to follow whatever his will is for my life. So um, people can't hang that on me, you know, <laughs> and say, oh, you know, you're just doing this because you're paid. And no, I'm not. I'm, I do this absolutely free. And I, you know, those those who may be listening who, who are bivocational or volunteer or whatever you want to title it, um, they can understand, you know, you put you put a lot of hours and time into mm -hmm. trying to um you know, a time away from family that you have to sacrifice sometimes sure. in order, in order to minister. And, and, and if you don't, if you're not doing that, you don't really understand kind of the sacrifice and the effort that you're putting into it. And so people are easy to criticize or easy to, you know, say, Oh, that was, you know, that wasn't as excellent as we thought it should have been. Well, <laughs> you know, we're, we're doing the yeah. best we can with what we got. <laughs> right. Which, okay. Leads to my next question, which is, so what, you know, what are some challenges? Obviously, uh, limited time. I mean, you have a family. Limited time is probably a big one, I guess. Are there some other challenges to, to having um, both feet in both camps? Well, if I can just talk about that time management one real quick, is mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely one of the greatest, obviously, challenges, time management. Um, but one thing I learned on earlier on in my ministry is I can only do what I can do in that mm. um, I, I, only, I only need to do what God wants me to do. So I used to, when I was involved with the uh, faith-based addictions recovery program that I was directing, um, I would get overwhelmed because there'd be so many things yeah. to do and so many things I want to do and so many people I want to meet right. and so many organizations I want to talk to, but I couldn't do it all without neglecting my family or without neglecting mm -hmm. you know, life. So um, I determined that, you know, God, whatever you want me to do today, show me whatever you want me to do, help me to get done, whatever you want me to get done. And when I did that, I could with peace, just whatever get done is what God wanted to get done. And, and so you kind of got to have that, that mindset that God knows how many hours you have in a day. God knows that you're bivocational. God knows that you're volunteer and he knows what, what needs to get done. And the, the mm -hmm. important things are the ones that God wants you to get done, not what you feel you need to get done. Right. And so that, that's helped me a lot to be content in that aspect. Um, also challenges, um, I think, I don't know if all 
bivocational ministers struggle with this, but I think I, I've struggled probably for, to be honest, for the whole 20 years of just the, the, mm. the, the seeking God of whether he wants me to work full-time or part-time, mm. you know? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I think that's been a constant struggle in my heart. And I know when mm. God, when God wants his will known, it will be known. Like you don't have to try to guess it. You know, he'll, he'll let you know. Right. And cause I've seen other areas in my life. And so in this area where I've maybe struggled or where I felt like, uh, you know, I could do more if I was serving full time or, you know, um, you know, sometimes I think other minist- full time ministers or whatever, maybe mm-hmm. th- might think you're less of a minister because yes. you're, you're not full time. And so I think I've struggled with that a little bit. And with that, I just, I always go back to God and, and, right. uh, and say, God, what is your will? And I let him make it clear that I'm in his will, what I'm doing. And, uh, mm-hmm. he gives me peace. And obviously your church is at, at peace with the arrangement. And I think that, and has affirmed that for you. So yeah. I remember struggling with that exact thing, Peter, when, um, I was part-time and I kept saying, you know, you guys really need like a lot more than I can give as a young mother. And, um, this is what I only feel called right now to do this much, but uh, gosh, there's so much that could be done right. in small groups. If you would like invest and do this with, you know, go get a real pastor was what I was saying. Go, yeah. go find someone who really wants to do this. And they're like, no, you're exactly what we need right now. And we're not in a hurry and we can build this more slowly. And we'd rather have you at part-time than, than have this shift. And it was so affirming at the same time that I wrestled with, Oh, is this, you know, is this the best thing for me? Is this the best thing for the church? And over time, it kind of got worked out um, where I was able to step into a full-time role once the kids are older. But it is it is something I think everyone that is part-time and will wrestle with um, because yeah. you feel like you, you especially because you want to, you know, you want to serve God fully and you are. And it's great that I think the churches then have to decide, um, you know, what they want and what they can resource. Um, and so I feel like there's probably people in our churches that are like you that have this desire and, uh, um, you know, and, and just, a, just a calling to do more than just be a voluntary small group leader, which is great. Um, or maybe even a coach, which I know a lot of churches use have that role and that's volunteer and we don't call them staff. Your level of leadership is different. And I feel like there's going to, there's people like that, um, that we can deploy, especially when budgets are tight. And like our church has done this with semi-retired people where um, they've taken early retirement packages or they still have a lot of gas in the tank and just love the Lord and love people um, and they don't need to make money. And so we've found niches for them in areas of expertise, which has been such a joy for us. And then we get to have some wise people, older people on staff as well. But I feel like, you know, if, how do you think people find people like you? I mean, you, you were easy for your church because you came back to a church that already knew you right. um, and you grew up there and they knew everything about you. But if we were going to go, hey, I want a Peter type person in my, um, on my team, how do we find one? I think, I think the key to it and, and all our, we only have, I mean, we have a church is about 250, you know, person mm-hmm. and our only paid pastor is our lead pastor. And so we have, okay. we have, um, others that, that are in senior leadership, um, probably two others that don't get paid as well. And they do a volunteer. So I, I think, I think the first thing is you got to find someone's passion. So, I mean, mm. 
like I was saying, I don't consider my, I never considered myself bivocational or anything like that. I just considered, um, you know, the Bible talks in Ephesians four that walk worthy of the vocation or the calling of which mm-hmm. you are called. And so we all have a calling and, and we're all, we all, we all have giftings that when we exercise them, it fills us with joy and with passion and mm-hmm. excitement. And so I have a guy that I'm working with, working with now. Who's a, he's one, he's my coach, probably my, my first coach that I've had for small groups. And, and he just, he has a passion for it. Like he loves mm-hmm. leading. He loves, you know, gathering people around and encouraging them. He's creative. And so, I think finding someone's passion, if, if you find someone's passion and give them the ability to utilize that, then, I mean, you just, it's like anything you love, you just do it and, and you know, time flies and you just enjoy doing it. So, um, also obviously someone who just, who's devoted and committed, like, you know, mm-hmm. they love Jesus and they want to, they want to serve whatever, you know, uh, God would call them to do. But I also think another big one is they find their strength in God, someone who, they're there they can they can pour their burdens on christ and they can be strengthened in christ because when you're bivocational or volunteering obviously that's that's a lot of it can be some stressful situations there's a lot Mm of uh juggling with um you know time and people and so i think being able to find your strength in god will will keep you from being overwhelmed like i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. being content and only getting done what you can get done and uh trusting him in that and then a, a last one I think is uh, someone who is able to mentor and train others. So basically someone who can mm-hmm. gather a team because you can't do everything yourself. And so I think, I think right. part of, part of being bivocational for me is helping me to be able to realize, okay, I can't do this on my own. I can't get everything done that I want to get done in the time that I have. So mm-hmm. I need other good people, volunteers around me, that I can train and that I can utilize and, and uh, have around me to kind of carry the load and the burden. And really, you know, that's what we're all called to do, right? In the, in the church, it's not, true. not just the paid leaders, it's the people that are the ministers sitting in the seats. Right. Right. The paid leaders are supposed to be equipping the work yeah. of the saints, which is the people, the body. So you talked about this coach that you're training up. So I think we probably all have some people like this that are kind of coach level for us, but we don't call them staff. I don't know. If, do you think that's just semantics of what we call things? Or do you think there's a difference to saying, you know, for yourself, like being this discipleship pastor versus yeah. being a volunteer you know, leader? Is there, is there a difference? Yeah, I think so, because there's a different level of trust and responsibility that you mm-hmm. have. You know, trust yes. in that person and responsibility level. And this this coach with me happens to be, you know, recently kind of added to our leadership staff, so it kind of works out. But, uh, but yeah, there is that level of uh, someone who can be a leader and who can who can hand, handle various things at once. Obviously, that's important. Um, yeah, high capacity, yeah. High capacity, yeah. Because they're so, juggling a full-time job, too. So clearly, yes. they have to be high-capacity people. We have, we have two of our guys. One is the, he recently, he's the worship pastor. He's also the, um, recently took over our young adult group, our singles college mm. and career. And another guy who's ministers to our students or to our teens, both of them right. basically own a business and are also volunteering in that capacity in the church, and they're on our senior leadership team as well. So we're kind of 
our church is kind of a great of, model. Yeah, yeah. Our church is kind of developing this model that I think a lot of churches are going to have to utilize. Um, yes. But again, it's going to take finding someone's the people's passion and they have to be dedicated to want to serve Christ um, for the sake of their love for him and, and obviously not necessarily, you know, wanting to get paid for it. And I never thought of, so I never thought of even growing up, I guess the mindset I was raised with, I never thought of um, when I served God as like a volunteer. I just thought of mm. it as serving God. And so when I first heard the word and said, oh, well, that person is only volunteering, I guess. Yeah. But I never thought you're of it that way. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, you're right. I don't that, know why we have it like uh, like that. It, you're, I mean, because biblically it's not. So, right. yeah, you just saw it as serving. But then once you have the, the title, though, you're right. I think there's a higher level of accountability and higher level of trust. I had someone who was who was helping me out with something a while ago in ministry, and, and they were kind of, I don't say slacking, but I, certain <laughs> things that were supposed to happen never happened. And they were a volunteer, but I always, again, I, I was probably a little um, too gung-ho at the time. And to me, it was like, <laughs> if you're going to do something for God, you want to do your best. And it's not it's right. not just a second thing. To me, it's like number one. And um, so I was talking to the person like, you know, I am just a volunteer. And that's when it kind of struck me like, I guess, but I, I never, I never thought of it that way. I thought of it as we're, we're serving God and, you know, I want to do my best, but. Yeah. And I think maybe prior generation, my parents very much thought the way you do and saw it as um, part of their discipleship following Jesus automatically meant you served, period. I, I don't know that we necessarily have that mindset um, in this generation now. I, I think we kind of, you you um, are following Jesus and then you can choose to serve, right? We're always yeah, right. inviting people to choose to yeah. serve rather than seeing serving as an automatic outgrowth of your commitment to the Lord. Right. I, I think that that framework, which is more biblical, has has is not as prevalent as maybe it once was, um, which might be why it may be harder to find bivocational right. people. Um, the, and the last thing I wanted to ask is, you know, if someone was thinking about it, say someone who's listening has been a coach or um, involved in the ministry, but they would like a seat at the table. They would like more leadership, um, more influence in their church. What would you advise them? I would advise them you're always safest when you're in God's will. So if mm-hmm. if God is leading in that way and he opens up an opportunity, then it's a matter of stepping out in faith and as someone once said, I believe it's Charles Stanley, you know, it's 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 um it's our responsibility to obey, it's God's responsibility to provide. So mm. you know, step in it, don't think don't worry about how qualified you feel or how qualified you think you are, mm. but understand that when God calls and he opens the door and the, the leadership is confirming that, you know, step out in faith and just do it. Yeah, that's a good word. I think we tend to to second guess it a whole lot. Um, or if someone's wanting that and their church isn't asking yet, they may not have thought of it. True. Um, and then to have to encourage them to have the conversation and see if that might be something God's calling um, you to and calling church to. And I'm guessing most a lot of churches would be really happy to have a unpaid yeah. uh, leader. I think an important as- aspect of it too is is your senior leadership or your lead pastor, whoever's you know, working there full time is, you know, if, if I feel like I'm overloaded and I can't get something done, 
that I feel needs mm-hmm. to get done, whether it's, you know, getting back to somebody or whatever, then I know I can go to him and say, yeah. Hey, can you help me out with this? And, and he understands the dynamic of someone who's bivocational and someone who's volunteering mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't have all the time in the world and there is a struggle with time. So, so he's willing to take that up. So I think for churches, it's important that the, um, the staff understands um, and, and is there for that person if they, if they need help. Yeah. So they understand the restrictions for sure. Um, all right. Well, Peter, thank you so much. This is kind of a, an unusual topic that we typically don't do on, on group talk, but I know that a lot of our churches are kind of in the same similar bucket because I've met a lot of people and then they'll say, they'll say like, Oh, but I'm a volunteer. Um, and you've heard this too from like small group network people. I'm like, no, no, it's the same job. Yeah. You know, depending on your church organization and structure and resources, you may or may not be paid for, you may or may not have a title, but really the role of discipling people through groups, we all are doing the same work um, in different contexts. So I just want, I love how you spoke in value um, to people doing that. And it is really just in responding to, in obedience to what God's calling us to. So, so Peter, if people want to talk to you more about this, what's the best way for people to reach you? You can reach me at uh, sinswashed at gmail.com. You can reach me on Facebook, Peter Clow, or Twitter, or LinkedIn, um, any of those avenues. Feel free to reach out to me. Great. And Peter, of course, I mentioned earlier, is um, is in the uh, Small Group Network Huddle in New Hampshire and is our state leader. And I bet you might even take somebody who's in a close neighboring state because those states are small together. So yes. maybe um, once we're out of the pandemic, you can actually meet again and you're interested in joining Peter's Huddle. Um, maybe, I don't know if you're doing them online during this season. We, or, we actually met know, in person uh, oh, fantastic. A, month, a month and a half ago. We met in person and uh, it was great. We had, a, we had someone from yeah. Massachusetts and some people from New Hampshire, so. I know. So, okay, so you're willing to take Massachusetts people as yeah, well as New yeah. Hampshire. Yeah, I didn't think about it until I just said that, but yeah. <laughs> so if you're in the Northeast, in that corner of, of our country, um, get in touch with Peter. He's a great guy, and the huddle will be such an encouragement to you, especially if you're in a um, bivocational volunteer basis at your church. That would be so encouraging. Yes. You can also interact with Peter on our Facebook group page and our network um group page. He's on there. Um, you can also find uh, other resources on our website as well. So, and it actually, when this uploads onto the Facebook network pick, I want to ask people if they're also bivocational and see how many of our Facebook people are, because I bet it's a pretty high percentage and it's not a topic that we've talked about openly, but I know that there's, there's a lot and we um, really want to encourage, encourage them because they're actually doing the harder work of doing two jobs instead of um, just one. So we want to be an encouragement and a resource for them as well. So thank you so much, Peter, for joining us. It was a pleasure. It was great talking to you. And Yeah, so God bless you and God bless your ministry in both your marketplace job as well as the church. Um, thank you all for joining us for Here to There. Until next time, remember we are better together. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Group Talk, and thank you so much to Carolyn and Peter for that great episode. Now, before we go, let's talk about Lobby 2021. 
Due to COVID-19 restrictions in California, this year's annual lobby gathering will be held live online. The lobby is one of the nation's premier small group training and networking events. This year's event will run from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific Standard Time each day and will start off with a general session in the first hour, followed by various breakout sessions on every small group hot topic you can think of. On Tuesday, enjoy our Recruiting and Training Leaders panel with Steve Gladen from Saddleback, Bill Willits from North Point, and Jared Kirkwood from Mariners. On Wednesday, enjoy our Coaching, How to Care for Your Leaders panel with Steve Gladen, again, Bill Willits again, and Dave Enns from North Coast. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events to register you and your team for as little as $39 per person. And thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.